Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. It is a Friday, November 6th, 2020, and the Big Ten gets kicked off tomorrow afternoon. It will be a 11 o'clock game with Nebraska and Northwestern, followed uh, alongside uh, Michigan-Indiana, probably the game of the evening, and then the Michigan State and Iowa game. But before we get into previewing everything for tomorrow, because there is no Friday game this week, which I am very happy about, let's get into a, a little bit of things that happened uh off the field before we get onto the field and talk about those things. So the biggest news coming out yesterday was that there was an announcement about the way that the Big Ten will handle false positives. And I think the easiest way to look at this one is look at what happened with Nick Saban a couple weeks ago with Alabama. Saban tested positive for the coronavirus. Everyone's like, oh, well, this guy's done. He's not going to coach for a little while. Well, Saban had multiple positive, I'm sorry, multiple negative tests after that. And so with that, he passed SEC protocols and was able to coach again in that Georgia game, that huge Georgia game. However, uh, in the Big Ten, for example, last week, Ohio State linebacker Justin Hilliard was ruled out of the game. And the odd part about this is that During the broadcast, you could see Hilliard uh, in street clothes on the sidelines. And you're like, well, if the young man tested positive for the coronavirus, then why the hell is he still with the team? Why wasn't he sent back or at least in isolation at that current moment? Well, it's because he had a false positive. And so Kevin Warren did a smart thing. He is adjusting with what is going on. Is it fair that Justin Hilliard missed the game because of of a false positive? No, it wasn't. But it hadn't come up. It it wasn't to the point where it was a concern of the Big Ten. Now that it's come up, you're seeing the ability for the conference to test a player if they come up positive with a rapid test and then negative with a PCR test. Then they are able to play. So uh, that is a, that is a very progressive way of thinking. I like it. Uh, I like the fact that Kevin Warren said, hey, you, look, I, I have to make an adjustment to what we're doing. And it makes sense. It makes total sense. So, you know, a lot of consternation has come towards what Kevin Warren has done this year in his first year as the Big Ten commissioner. But I didn't see a lot of people saying, hey, Kevin Warren did a really good job here of reverting course and realizing that there are some times going to be one-offs and the opportunity to make sure that the players are still safe, but they also... If there's a situation like this, like Hilliard had, with a false positive, that they would be able to play if that second test, the PCR, came up negative. So, 
Good job, Kevin Warren. I don't think you got enough credit in the media yesterday. Actually, to be honest with you, I barely saw anybody say, hey, Kevin Warren, good job of kind of moving with the times and, and figuring out how this works. So good job, Kevin Warren. Congratulations. I think this is a fantastic adjustment to this odd 2020 year. And odd as it may be, this one was a little bit interesting as well. JoJo Bermudez got a scholarship offer from Rutgers a little less than 24 hours before he made up his mind. And he made up his mind very quickly because he committed to his in-state team. And it didn't take long, obviously. Uh, this one confuses me a bit. Uh, he is 5'9", uh, 161 pounds. He had one other Power 5 offer from Syracuse. He had no other Power 5 offers. And again, you know, I'm I'm big on offer list. I'm, you know, it, it's nice for, you know, for basketball players. I'm a little bit more on the rankings due to the fact that, you know, smaller rosters, you're not going to offer. Uh, basketball teams really don't throw out the offers left and right like football teams do. But. For this one, you know, I get that Greg Schiano is, is trying to have a presence in New Jersey and recruiting. But I think that he has to have the smart presence in New Jersey and recruiting. Uh, for me, a guy that's 5'9 and 161 pounds. Uh, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen any of his highlights, so I don't really know much about Bermudez. But what I do know is, is that Syracuse wanted him. And this is a Syracuse team that lost to Liberty earlier this year. This is a Syracuse team that led by Dito Babers is not all that great. So I question this one a little bit. I think that Bermudez would have been a guy to me that I would have waited until after the second signing day. He said, hey, look, continue to talk with us. Uh, we want to make an assessment after the first signing period, we'll get a chance to, you know, review everybody, work our big board again, and potentially circle the wagons and give you offer then. I mean, look, if I, I completely understand what Bermudez did, because if I was in his situation, and you know, my only other offer right now that's a major offer, or you know, a high. FBS is Syracuse, and then Rutgers comes in. Yeah, I'm probably jumping on that offer as well. So you can't blame Bermudez. What I'm questioning is, is the coaching staff here. I'm questioning Greg Schiano. I think they could have waited. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very big on, you know, making sure that there's a lot of talent inside the Big Ten. And, and as much as you know, Bermudez might fit and, and be what Rutgers is looking for. And I think they could have held off on this one and, and potentially offered him later and still gotten a commitment out of Bermudez. So I, I think the timing to me is a little bit more odd than anything. Uh, one other quick note. Uh, we're going to go on the basketball side of things before we preview this weekend's slate of games. Uh, and that's a couple notes from Ohio State. As I told you yesterday, uh, Utah State transfer Abel Porter uh, ruled out um, 
not ruled out, well, retired, uh, due to a heart condition. But yesterday they got some different news from transfer Jimmy Sotos from Bucknell. Sotos will be eligible immediately for the Buckeyes. So uh, it, although it's not, you know, he's not replacing Potter, uh, he is, you know, going to get an opportunity to, you know, take up some of that playing time that was there. So uh, good news as well. And then they also decided to pull out of the crossover classic. It was supposed to be held in South Dakota. South Dakota has had some issues with COVID-19. And due to the CDC regulations, if they were to go and play in South Dakota, they would have to quarantine for 14 days. And that would coincide with the Buckeyes playing Notre Dame in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So therefore, I think that Chris Holtman made the correct decision by opting out of the Crossover Classic because, you know, South Dakota is, you know, they're they're a solid team, but going up against an ACC opponent in Notre Dame, I just, I feel like there's a, a little bit more juice to that one. And uh, it would look much better on a resume for a W as opposed to going out to South Dakota and getting one. So uh, I get it, especially in a shortened season. Uh, it makes plenty of sense to me. All right. Let's start off with the previews of this weekend slate. And we'll, we'll start off with the biggest game of the weekend, in my estimation. And that is Michigan traveling to Indiana, Michigan, reeling. Coming off of that home loss against Michigan State, a, a loss where you know they clearly were outschemed, and you know a first-year head coach Mel Tucker really put it to Michigan and kind of gave a a template as to how other teams can beat Michigan. Force Joe Milton into throwing in a tight coverage. Now, the question here is, does Indiana have enough athletes on the defensive side to do it? They've got one in Trayvon Mullen. He, 100%, yeah, he's a baller. Young man is a big-time player, and if I'm Joe Milton, I'm, I'm not necessarily throwing Mullen's way very often. But I just don't think that Indiana quite has the horses to hang with Michigan. Uh, the um, you know f- for me at this moment, you know Michigan's a three and a half point favorite, and I think that's about right. I think that Michigan goes in there, and I think they just they impose their will. Uh, you know, Indiana when they beat Penn State, it's not like they. You know, ran up and down all over them. Penn State outgained them in yards significantly. Uh, Michael Penix has been fantastic. Let's be real here. He's been just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I really like their group of wide receivers. You know, um, led by uh, Peyton Hendershot and uh, Whoop Filor, uh, Stevie Scott Jr., great running back. I just think that um, the I wouldn't say that the Cinderella season for Indiana ends here, 
But I think they take their first L of the year. I think Michigan gets back on track. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has a very good record against top 25 teams that aren't in the top 10. Uh, I can't off the top of my head. I cannot remember exactly what it is. But anytime he faces a top 10 team, he struggles. But anytime he faces uh, a team that is outside the top 10 but still in the top 25, Jim Harbaugh actually does a really good job. Uh, Michigan hasn't lost to Indiana since 1987. I do think that this is Indiana's best chance. But I just I, I, I don't think that this one is going to go in favor of the Hoosiers. I don't, regardless of where the venue is. So I've got Michigan beating Indiana uh, in one of the early games. One of the other early games, uh, Michigan State taking on Iowa. I was a favorite in this one, which uh, I'm a little bit confused by. Uh, Spencer Petras just hasn't done it for me. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, they continue to uh, have issues moving the ball. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they're giving enough credit to Michigan State. I think this is a game where you know, Michigan State actually has a very good chance to beat Iowa. And... Um, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of you know, Michigan State's offense. I think Rocky Lombardi is an average quarterback. I love what Ricky White did last year. Uh, I'm sorry, last week. But remember, he's a freshman, and there could be inconsistency issues. So, uh, to me, this one, I, I like the Spartans again. I think they're gaining confidence, and they're starting to realize that, hey, you know what? Mel Tucker's system works. This is going to do well for us. And, you know, last week beating Michigan handily, although the score didn't show that, uh, they beat Michigan pretty well. And I think that that's just a, a, a confidence thing, confidence thing, confidence thing. I don't think that they let up this week. And I think that Michigan State goes on the road and gets a quote-unquote upset over Iowa, although I don't really think this is an upset. I think they've got this line a little bit wrong here. I think it should be a little bit closer. Maybe Iowa favorite by two points, two and a half, as opposed to almost a full touchdown. The other afternoon game is Nebraska and Northwestern. As we all know, uh, Nebraska was not on the field last week due to Wisconsin canceling their game. And so who the hell knows what kind of Nebraska comes out? Uh, let's, I, I'm very interested to see what kind of offense that Scott Frost employs. Uh, how much playing time will Adrian Martinez get? And how much playing time will he allot to the backup uh, and Luke McCaffrey? You know... Because McCaffrey, uh, he looks like a star. Um, their numbers are fairly similar. Um, McCaffrey did a much better job, I thought, in keeping the defense off balance. Um, his big play explosiveness uh, on the ground, I think, gives a, a different look for Nebraska. But then you, know, you also look over at Northwestern and say, hey, you know what? 
they put out one of the best defenses uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, they've got three linebackers over there led by Patty Fisher, uh, Chris Bergen, that are the best, I would say the best three linebackers in the Big Ten. I can't think of another linebacker group that is better. I mean, Michael Parsons was around. Yeah, Penn State would be the conversation. But at this point in time, I think Northwestern has the best set of linebackers and one of the better defenses in the Big Ten. And on top of that, they have an offense this year. They have an offense uh, where it's not an explosive offense. Let's be real here. Northwestern, you know, really hasn't had that one, um, you know, since their Rose Bowl days in the late 90s, Darnell Autry and, and all of them. But uh, when you're looking at it, Northwestern has enough offense to win. That's what they didn't have last year. They were one of the worst offensive teams in the country last year. And this year they have a capable offense, which allows their defense. Because last year the defense wasn't the problem. What the problem was was that the offense was continually running out on the field and not doing anything, which didn't allow the defense to get any rest. And so the defense was continually going out there tired and more tired and having issues. But this year, with a, uh, an offense that's not always a three and out, four and out, you know, five plays and out, you're looking at an offense that will give the defense a rest and give them an opportunity to really sit back, review some film during the game, and make adjustments, and then come out there and look really good. So I like Northwestern to continue their undefeated season as they go to 3-0, and and they beat Nebraska. All right, the afternoon slate uh, is a Maryland and Penn State matchup. And uh, I, I think that this one, James Franklin, I cannot see the Nittany Lions falling to 0-3. There's just no way. Uh, Tulia Tagovaiola is a very good quarterback, uh, as evident by last week. What he did, three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Absolutely fantastic job as Maryland beat Minnesota last week. But Minnesota is not the Minnesota of last year. Uh, you know, they... Last year, I think they needed to lather up in the first couple of games to really get things going. Well, with jumping right into the Big Ten season, they haven't had that opportunity to lather up with a couple of non-conference games. And that's why you're seeing Minnesota struggle. We'll get to them next. But, you know, Penn State, I think they're they're very talented. Um, You have to give it up to them. They could have curled up into a ball against Ohio State last week after the Buckeyes really dominated that first half. But they came out in the second half and they gave them a ball game. They continued to work at it. And yeah, they they still ultimately ended up losing. But they made some very good adjustments at halftime and, and were able to move the ball in the second half. I mean, their first drive coming out of halftime, you know, that was a big one for Ohio State because if they stop Penn State, and don't give them an opportunity for any life, the game's over. But Penn State didn't give up. And that's why I think that is a little bit different from Penn State from other teams. I think other teams roll over. I think Penn State's one of the teams in the 
conference that won't roll over. And that's why I think that Penn State wins. I think that it's going to be a good game. I think there's going to be a whole lot of points being scored in this one. That's why the over-under is at 64 and a half. It's the highest in the highest in the conference for this week. And so I think that Penn State ultimately wins in a shootout. I think they, they still have some defensive issues. I think their defense holds enough of the Terrapin offense down so that they get a W. Their first win of the year. Both teams end up one and two after Saturday afternoon. Minnesota. The hits keep coming for the Gophers. Because yesterday it was announced that defensive coordinator Joe Rossi, he has COVID-19. He will be out the mandatory 10 days. He will miss this week's game. He will miss next week's game as well. And this is not good for Minnesota. This is a game where, yeah, they're favored right now. Uh, They, on paper, have a better team. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the fighting Illini are missing a lot of players as well due to COVID. Remember, Brandon Peters, out. Isaiah Washington, I'm sorry, Isaiah Williams, out. They're... Starting quarterback is Corin Taylor, the fourth stringer. And I think that's why the fighting Illini not getting a lot of love. I think that this team is significantly different, again, very similar to Minnesota, that this this is a different team. Uh, Jake Hansen, uh, he's an all-world linebacker, but he can't do it all himself. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the fighting Illini are good, but not great. And... This one's a toss-up for me. This one's probably the the toughest game to call. It really is. Uh, Because I have no idea, absolutely no idea, how well Taylor will play. I just don't know. But what I do know is that Minnesota can put up points. They did it last week against Maryland, and I think that they can do it again this week against the Illini. So just with the fact that Tanner Morgan's there, um, that he'll have, you know, he'll have an opportunity to really throw the ball a lot. I am not a big fan of the, the Illini secondary. And I think that Tanner Morgan finds Rashad Bateman a whole hell of a lot. Muhammad Ibrahim has a good game running the ball. He's not probably going to have the four touchdowns like he did against Maryland. But, you know, he'll, he'll go for 125 in a couple touches, though, a couple touchdowns. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, I've, I've convinced myself just now that I think Maryland's going to win. And the night game, Ohio State takes on Rutgers. Uh, I think this one's a, a reunion of sorts for Rutgers, uh, not just Greg Schiano, who was the defensive coordinator for Ohio State a couple years ago. You've got one of their starting safeties, Brendan White, is an Ohio State transfer. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, I just don't think that uh, Rutgers has anything close to stopping Justin Fields, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Uh, I think that the Buckeyes are going to be working on things in this game. I think that one thing that they improved on from game one against Nebraska to game two against Penn State was 
their run game. Uh, it looked more effective against Penn State, and you probably wonder, well, what? How, how did that work? Because when when you look at the the teams on paper, Penn State is a much better defensive team than Nebraska, at least in my estimation, early on in this season. Although we haven't seen a ton of Nebraska, obviously, just one game. But I think that the Buckeyes go and work on things. We all know what Justin Fields is. You know, uh, is he a front runner for the Heisman? Nah, after two games, hard to say. I think he's in the conversation. I think that right now it's probably Mac Jones, Alabama's quarterback. I think it's probably his to lose. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people wondered how the Alabama offense would transition from Tego Viola to Jones. Well, Jones gave you a little preview last year after Tego Viola got hurt. And Jones was a pretty damn good quarterback. And I don't think he got enough credit. And with a full offseason to work and knowing that he's the guy, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, granted, it does help when you have three all-world, three first-round NFL receivers on your on your team that you could throw to and, and plenty of other guys behind them that are more than capable because uh, we all know Alabama recruits like none other. But uh, back to Ohio State, uh, I just feel like, you know, there there's not going to be much of a challenge. Uh, I think that uh, the Rutgers offense, um, you know, they've, they've put up a decent amount of points, but remember, Indiana handled them last week. 37-21, and the Buckeyes are much better than Indiana. I think the score is closer to, you know, in the 40s for Ohio State, and 21 seems about right for Rutgers. I think they'll score a couple garbage touchdowns, but this one should be over by the half. And that's it. That's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. Uh, once again, I appreciate the listen. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter, at MikeFChen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. Rate us, reviews, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great weekend, Big Ten fans. I'll catch you on Monday. We'll recap everything. Have a good weekend.